Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. It was a bit like opening a can of baked beans with your bare hands. It takes time. Denmark midfielder Thomas Delaney. They play a primitive game and they are good at it. I think Ireland are scared of us because we have many ways of doing things, both in open play and in dead ball situations. Denmark captain Simon Chair. There are no easy games today. The teams who are having difficulty playing soccer, they just do what Ireland did today. Denmark winger, Pione Sisto. And so it goes. We get it, Denmark. We're not the prettiest team on the eye. But in case you didn't notice, nil-nil draws are what it's all about in international football at the moment. We just happen to be on the very cusp of this incredibly <laughs> tedious wave. Hello and welcome to Monday Second Captain's Football Podcast. Hi, guys. Hi, Ken. Hi, welcome back from Copenhagen. Hello. Hello. Greece, Croatia, Switzerland, Northern Ireland. Honduras, Australia, New Zealand, Peru. These playoff matches are high-stakes matches, which goes some way towards explaining why not a single goal was scored in any of those games I mentioned. You have to go back as far as Friday to find Sweden going all gung-ho and scoring an actual goal against Italy. Other than that, no, there were lots of other Deflected goal at that, huh? Yeah, but in the playoff matches, that's, that's, that's the way it went. Your considered thoughts, Ken, on our own contribution to this new phenomenon, our latest nil-nil. We might be leading the zeitgeist, are we? I mean, we're we are the nil-nil med med incarnate. Well, I think Pioni Sisto's got a lot of nerves. Got a lot of got a lot of nerve. He might have some nerves about the second leg tomorrow night as well. Got okay. a lot of balls. Yeah. That's what uh, Tony Sobrano say. He's got a lot of balls to talk that way, considering the chance he spooned wide <laughs> of the goal. You know, I mean, if he was so amazing at playing soccer himself, maybe it would have been one nil. And maybe the, the, the parking stadium wouldn't have exploded with rage at the end of that game. I mean, the, the one thing I have to say, I mean, I have to say, I went Copenhagen, nice city. The Danes, nice people. Uh, but, you know, they're not, they're not like your, what you might have in your head as this po- polite, stolid, tidy, you know, inoffensive type of Scandinavian. Mm. A little bit more messy around the edges than that, I would say. The Danes, um, they certainly like to drink, Owen. 
Uh, the parking stadium has got a very, very large corporate section, uh, which you have to go through in order to make your way from the press room to the press box, which is, you know, the, the bit outside. Um, I swear, like, what a scene of utter degeneracy I saw in there. In the corporate area? The, the whole place was, like, just was, I mean, I've never seen so much beer. You know that you walk into a place and the beer just yeah. hits you? Usually it's the kind of smell that you might get when you walk into a, a an Irish pub, there's a lot of people in on a hot day somewhere. Yeah. That kind of stale, hot, fetid smell of beer. Yeah, like a, like a fish across the face. That was the corporate, that was the corporate section in Barker Stadium. All these uh, elegant suited Danes, you know? Danes, uh, elegant looking middle-aged Danish men with great hair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all completely pissed. Throwing their, throwing their head back and rubbing their large bellies self-satisfied. Yeah, I mean they they and, and everyone is allowed to drink in the in the crowd as well. So I, I actually at the seats. Yeah, you can drink because because you're civilized. I mean, it was it was just that one time when that when uh, the football idiot, as he became known, uh, <laughs> ran onto the field. Fella, yeah. I forgot the football. idiot. The football idiot. Yeah, <laughs> when they were playing, the, the, it was a, a game, a qualifier against Sweden, I think. And obviously, you know, when it's the the uh, the derby, the local derby against the Swedes, things can get a little heated. Uh, and Denmark, it was a very dramatic game. If I recall correctly, I think it made it, one side might have been winning three 0 and then it came back to three all. But one way or the other, the football idiot was didn't like what he saw, ran on the field, and and I think tried to attack the referee. Obviously, he, did, uh, he didn't manage to do any serious damage other than to the image of Danish football. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he was that was just an isolated case, you know. And there's no reason to ruin everyone's fun. I mean, based on it, like. <laughs> There's, there was so much so much uh, beer litter around the stadium as well. It was like the whole stadium was just an overflowing bin full full of litter, which was which had swept up in the wind on the sides of the stadium, just everywhere. Just wow. what, I mean, a, was, what a magical occasion! Oh, it was, it was, it was incredible. Um, Sounds like everyone had a great time. So. Oh, they did, they did. Oh, and apart from the, you know, you heard, you could hear the the rage in the air at the end. Oh no. You know, there's so many things for a Dane to be angry about there. And also underlying that the fact that the blood alcohol level was through the <laughs> roof. I mean, I I have kind of Danish relatives, though. Kind of Danish? Well, no, they are Danish, and they're kind of my relatives. Okay. Uh, my cousin is married to a Dane. Um, and my cousin was over, obviously, with his, with his Danish family. A lot of competition over who gets to dress the... You know their uh, their little uh, daughter. Of course. You know, who, oh yeah. Is she is she Danish? Who's she going to be supporting? Plenty of banter on that. Uh, and obviously, all his dealings with the Danish people have been very civil, friendly. You know, our two peoples come together. You know, uh, and uh, and everyone's very nice. Everyone's very friendly and chatting away until uh, when you get to the stadium and you're an Irish fan sitting in the Danish area. At which point, that Danish politesse falls away, mm. and. Uh, I mean, they, they did obviously dress up as Danish fans to go in, but once they got there, they go, well, here we are now. You know, take off those um, the red. We, we uh, were, of course, flags. warned against doing that. Yeah, but, in you know, I mean, what, what, you know, uh, my, my cousin is, is thinking, look, all, the Danes are, are just so nice. You know, obviously there's not going to be any problem here. We're, we're, all, we're all civilized people. You know, we can enjoy this football match, our two rival teams, but that doesn't mean we have to be enemies. Mm-hmm. We're, we can each root for a different team. But we can still be friends, right? No, we can't. We really can't. Uh, so, uh, lots of people around him, Owen, were uh, were giving him a piece of their mind, telling him where to go, that kind of didn't stuff. Didn't really, didn't really like it. Didn't really like the way that he was. Well, you know, 
knowing my cousin's temperament, if there was any Ireland fan in there likely to cause trouble, it would probably be him. <laughs> he's, one, he's one of those very, uh, very partisan type of people. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, he, he, he was a little taken back. But you know, the Danes are passionate about football, you know? It's not a, it's not a joke to them. So they were obviously a little disappointed. We'll talk, we'll hear from, um, we'll hear from a Danish journalist oh, yeah. a, little, a bit later. I mean, I actually was abused by a Dane as well the night before. Go on, Ken. I was, I was, I was having uh, dinner after the, the, you know, we finished our work or whatever on Friday, went into town. We were, we were sitting in a restaurant, uh, myself and three other journalists. And uh, at some point towards the end, we, I mean, everyone's probably had the experience. It's not to say that the group wasn't working well. The group was great. We, we were having a great time. It was as 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 one listener to our uh, our uh, special bonus uh, Copenhagen mini pod said, uh, sneering journo echo chamber. <laughs> uh, so it was very much a sneering journo echo chamber in this table. Everyone was having a great time, but at some point, you know, people are obviously checking your phones. Every you know, mm. phone is look, you know, you're not going to just cut out the whole world no. all the time. Now you're journalists after all. You've got to be on top of the news. At some point, we were. Uh, it turned out we were all looking at our phones simultaneously. We were waiting in a bill or something, and this Danish guy staggered up from behind, behind sort of suddenly leaned over the table, and he goes, "Is there a Wi-Fi? Is there a Wi-Fi in here?" And we were like, uh, uh, "Actually, we're just on the three G." But before before we could finish explaining, we weren't actually on the Wi-Fi. He goes, "Wi-Fi wankers, you're all Wi-Fi wankers," uh, because because we were, you know, he all he had seen was four. I, I don't know how he knew we were Irish, but he he knew. Uh, all sitting there looking at looking at our yeah. phones. The guy who who was who was in the restaurant who seemed to be an, Ar- an Irish guy. He said, "Look, I think he's actually had a falling out with with an Irish supporter. He's upstairs, so I think he's in a bad mood." That right, there's a backstory, but you know, all I'm saying is, you know, Denmark of the maybe not God. the thousand welcomes, the nine hundred and ninety nine welcomes. Yeah. That accent sounded exactly like Peter Schmeichel, didn't it? Yeah, there was, it was a bit good. of a, there was a bit was of mank in with the with the Dane there. Yeah, it was very <laughs> fine. Even, yeah, Wi-Fi wankers. Simon, we've got to scumbag in our midst. I've got a call here that says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh God. That's just it. I just Whoa. mentioned, not you, no me. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom. We don't normally click, broadcast all click, the, the stuff that click, comes from scum click, around the country. Click. Ahmed Yusuf emailed in to editor at secondcaptains.com. Subject, is Brian Lauder really having a ball? Hey, second captains, your friendly neighbourhood scumbag here. I was listening to your interview with Brian Laudrup on the World Service and the post chat between Kieran and Owen. I can't help but think, is Brian Laudrup really having a ball in life, as Kieran seems to think? Hear me out here. Sure, he's had a great career, won the Euros with his country, been to two World Cups, is a Rangers legend. But imagine having done all that and he's still only the second best Laudrup. When people think Laudrup, who do they immediately think of? Big brother Michael. Brian even mentioned, despite Michael deciding not to come to Euro 92, he did end up winning the Champions League with Barcelona. This may sound petty and maybe even hyperbolic, but being one of seven siblings, I know what it's like to feel overshadowed. I'm just saying. Keep up the great work. Ahmed Yusuf. Well, I don't have any brothers, Murph, so you're going to have to uh, see yeah, if there's I mean, anything to Ahmed's point here. Yeah, Ahmed, you know, you should really try and find joy in the achievements of your siblings and not look at it as a race between you and them. But it is, though. Isn't the it? love of your parents is not a zero-sum game. It doesn't There's really matter anyway who the parents love most. As long as they love you a little. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes if you're loved a little less than the others, maybe that drives you on even. Yeah. Is there know? an argument? Well, <laughs> it's still not great if your parents don't love you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's going to come right out and say it. 
there's a you know controversial view perhaps, but Loudrup, <laughs> and, and the, the point is, uh, I mean, as far as uh, Michael and Brian Loudrup's dad is concerned, neither of them are the best Loudrup in family. Finn Loudrup mm. is Bloody number good one, the original Loudrup, and in Finn's opinion, maybe the best. Another Dane with an Irish name, like uh, Thomas Delaney. And Keen. And Keen, who we'll talk to later. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah, Finn, Finn Loudrup, of course, that's the thing about the Loudrups. They've got pedigree. They're no, they're, uh, they are not... They're, um, like the, they're like the Mannings of yeah, NFL fame. They, they are, uh, they're serious, you know. So uh, Finn, Finn was top back in the day. So, so maybe that's how he splits the difference. He says, you know, both of you are doing great, but you know, I'm still the best. Although at the same time, Brian has to be thinking... I am the only one with a European Championship winner for Dan- uh, medal for Denmark here, so you know. I need to go back a step for our non-World Service members. Yes, we had Brian Loudrup as part of our coverage last week. Good luck for everyone, and here it goes. Denmark, Republic of Ireland. When we look down at the Irish squad, it's not that many names that. Ring a bell. We have the slight of a hand in these two games. But I'll tell you something. He went down in my estimation when he said that. We have the slight of a hand in these two games. I've never heard so much rubbish in my life. Why do we have to listen to that garbage? We have not resorted to that. It's always tough to play any British British, British team. Can I appeal for the British government to please leave our country? It's always tough to play any British team. A lot of things have been said over the last few days. Some of it slanderous. Brian Lauder recording as British. Jakob Stalin, their presenter of Denmark's top football podcast, Mediano Football, saying we have the slight upper hand. Yes, the Danes were giving it all that last week, even before the listlessness of the match itself made them angry. We also had a bonus post-match pod from Copenhagen on Saturday night. As Ken mentioned, that's the kind of special treat you'll get when you go to secondcaptains.com and sign up for five euro a month plus VAT. If you have another 30 seconds to spare after that, why not use it to vote for the Second Captains podcast in the Football Supporters Federation Awards? We picked up a nomination as podcast of the year. Now, you know, we've got nothing against our fellow nominees like Guardian Football Weekly or the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. It's just that you know, we want to go over there and rip their heads off hmm. in a strictly podcasting sense. Of course. From a purely journalistic point of view, we want to beat them senseless. <laughs> you can go to fsf.org.uk forward slash vote. That's fsf.org forward slash vote. Let's now report on sport. So, um, just about talk about the game, I mean, I was thinking about it. We... Well, I mean, how did you think? Because uh, I didn't get to talk to you after the game. No, right? no, we haven't spoken. It was a Ken Erty solo run. So, Copenhagen so what do you think? I mean, what, what was your impression of how well Ireland played? Not very. You didn't? You well, didn't not, not, not very well, but uh, but not vastly different differently to how we played. I, I, was, I saw it compared to the Wales game, the Wales performance unfavorably, but I think it was pretty similar. We didn't do, we didn't do anything against Wales either until we got the goal, really. Yeah. And then... After that, we were quite comfortable and, and quite good. But the, we we almost rewrite that Wales game after the fact as if we it was some sort of a dominant display, which it really I don't think was. No, no. So th- I don't think this was that different. Albeit maybe we gave up a, a couple more chances in this game. I don't remember us giving up any particularly good chances in Wales. Just the just the header, the late Robson Canu. We have a very very good goalkeeper saves. at the moment, as we always seem to have. Hmm. Not, uh, not always. I won't. But uh, it's good to see Randolph. Well, going back, going, back, going back as long as I can remember, we, we often seem to 
And Shay Given was there for so long. We tend not to. We tend not to concede. Oh, actually, I'm not even going to. I shouldn't even say this. We tend not to concede many goals oh, through go. goalkeeping howlers. Yeah, <laughs> Why? Yeah. Forget about this bit. Let's move on to the next bit of analysis. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I do think we played pretty well in the middle third of the Wales game, uh, and we showed more in that in the 25 or 30 minutes in that game than we did on Saturday night. I don't mm. think we had any extended period of you know control of the game. I don't think we were in control of the game for basically any of. Saturday night. Well, the Wales game was much more dynamic. In, in ter- well, it was also un- unbalanced from the beginning in that Wales had to... Well, both teams had to win, so it was yeah. kind of weird. But Wales Wales had to win, and we're going for it. And we're going for it with a lot of intensity and kind of blew themselves out. Whereas Denmark were more controlled. They were like, okay, let's, let's not go nuts here. Mm. It wasn't as though they really went for the way Wales did, and there wasn't really that sort of swing that there was in the in the Wales-Ireland game where Ireland kind of got on top. And, and obviously, I mean, maybe if Christian Eriksen had been had been stretchered away after 35 minutes like Joe Allen was in Cardiff, then, you know, Denmark might not look too clever in the second half either. You know what I mean? Um, but I do think that, that Ireland played, did a lot of unspectacular things pretty well. Like, you're watching it, and Denmark have the ball most. I mean, Denmark, I think, finished with 70% or 72% possession or something, you know. And Ireland, I think, had fifty-three percent of passes completed. You know, I don't, I don't want to blind you with, with like a, a blizzard of numbers here, but fifty-three percent is, you know, <laughs> yeah, you go. That's not a, that's not a high number. Can't you be. don't see those matches every week, um, but look, uh, I thought Harry Arthur was was fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was his best game, I think. Uh, busy little kind of hunchback running around midfield. Plays a whole game kind of stooped over. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always sort of, he's like a goalkeeper kind of mm. wait, waiting for yeah, a shot. He's, he's, he's like, like that all the time. In a cr- near crouch position, ready to pounce. But, he, you know, he, he's, he gets in there like he's close to where he needs to be all the time. And he, and he also passes the ball nicely and quickly. You know, he's not, it's not like he's, you know, paying these. Like the pass of the night was... Kier's long ball to... Um, Their full back. Yeah, that was like magnificent. You're like, my God, is this ball ever going to stop? You know, and it, it went straight where it needed to go. Um, there wasn't too much of that from Ireland, but I thought Arthur, like, just nice sort of distribution. Brady tried to get on the ball, make things happen, not always successfully, but was in there. Hendrick was less evident, but, you know what, because I was, I was thinking, sitting in the first half going, where's Hendrick? I haven't, I haven't seen him in ages. He's still there, right? And I was like, okay, there he is. And I was like, what is he doing? So I decided to, I just watched him for a little bit. And actually, he was working pretty hard. I mean, it's, it's again, he's in the way of a lot of things that didn't happen because he was in the way, you know? So a lot of the time he's, he's like, I thought the three Irish central midfielders were doing that very well, like working together. Like, obviously, Ericsson is the player that they're all, that they're all watching. But in terms of sort of passing him, because Ericsson is moving side to side, so he's not—he doesn't want to be picked up by a particular player. But they're just sort of passing him along. Okay, you—you you know, Brady's on him, Hendricks on him, Archer's on him, um, standing not right on top of him, but just close enough that if the ball is passed towards him, by the time the ball gets to him, then they arrive like almost immediately after that. Um, and that's—you know—that that is good play. I mean, to <clears throat> to do that. As effectively as they did for ninety minutes, deserves credit. It's not. It's not a case of wow, this was, ter- this was terrible. They were mainly doing. They're focused on a defensive job, which required a lot of concentration. They all did it so, so that the best chances Ericsson had were actually the ones where the ball came to him by accident. Like well, there, was, there was a clearance. The was, clearance. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, which just landed, and suddenly it's like, oh no, he's in. This is 
oh dear, Ericsson is in behind the midfield. The defenders are backing away, but he shot from distance. You know, maybe he, he made a bad decision. But it is a constant question, though. That, that's all. That's all fine. You can do all that while also being a little bit more constructive on the ball. And I know we're just saying what a million people have said all through this qualifying campaign, and we're still getting results. So maybe it doesn't matter. But you, you wonder why is Arthur kicking it away like that? McLean, mm. what's going on? Robbie Brady, Robbie Brady's set pieces weren't great again. As, as is often the case. But then he has got the quality mm. and he's shown us that on occasion. But then there are so many other occasions when these guys either are told not to try to pass it around or just feel that it, it's it's an implicit instruction. Yeah, and therefore we don't we don't see the best out of them in, in that way. And that, that's another, it is another means to keep pressure off. I'm not talking about going all out attack or anything, but it's a, a means to keep pressure off and keep a clean sheet, which is probably relevant because they got the clean sheet anyway. Well, I can say that a couple of times in the second half when that happens, and, and I remember it certainly once with uh, Duffy booting the ball away to, no, to nobody, um, and Arthur as well, smashing one. Uh, there's nobody there. And Martin O'Neill going absolutely crazy, mm. like screaming so at them. So he doesn't want them just putting the ball into touch? No. Well, I mean, I couldn't hear what he's screaming, but I could see that he's like hopping up and down and screaming immediately after they do this with the appearance that he wasn't happy about what they just, like, what are you doing? Which appeared to be his message. I'm filling in blanks here, but that's what, that's what it seemed to be. I suppose from their point of view, I mean, Duffy certainly does not want to, overplay and make a mistake given where he's standing directly in front of our penalty area. Arthur maybe feels a little bit like that as well. They just don't want to make a mistake that could lead to a goal and they feel as though they don't, they feel hurried. I mean, Denmark are, are trying to get close. There's no, there's very little space and time out there. You know, they really are, even though these teams are not top teams, they are at least on top of each other and they're making it difficult for each other. And Players, you know, sometimes are just like, get it away. And and when you've got Daryl Murphy up front, Daryl Murphy is good for a kind of a structured kick out in the sense that you can aim the ball towards him and he's got a decent chance of winning it against the defender, you know. But in, in sort of broken play, you know, in, in open play, I should say, when you're trying to play a quick ball of the field, Shane Long is really a better option there because you can kick it towards the corner and Shane Long will get there first. Or, yeah could get there first, whereas Murphy can't. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not even going to contend for those. Well, it was an interesting team selection, and in fairness to O'Neill, for all the criticism he gets for being conservative, he is a difficult man to read when it comes to team selection. You're never, you're never quite sure exactly what he's going to do. We suggested that maybe Murphy might start instead of Long. He went for that, but also that Odauda or one of the attacking players, McGeady or Wes, one of those could come in, and it was Odauda who he threw in there, which allowed him to put Hendrick back into the position that you described there, which... Maybe it's as much about getting Hendrick there, getting his athleticism, rather than a whatever age Glenn Whelan is Whelan. now. You know, uh, but yeah, it was, it was I don't know what you made about Dad's performance. I thought it was I thought it was a positive selection. I was happy when I saw the team. I thought, yeah, this is good. This is you know, th- this th- you've got three good players in the middle: Hendrick, Brady, Arthur. They're all good on the ball. They're, you know, there's a chance that they might be able to play some combinations here. They're all I trust these guys to to do something good McLean obviously is, is going to play he's he's been such an important player for the team in, in a lot of ways um and just that the idea of Odata coming in I mean the thing about Odata is he is he is as well he's got at least two things that Martin O'Neill likes he's quite he's a decent size and he's quite strong <laughs> you know so aside from any any of his footballing ability and he's quite a good uh, dribbler and a decent mover he he's not it's not like you know 
the twenty-one-year-old Aiden McGeady, you know, the little a scrawny scrap of a thing, you know. Oh, magic boots, but seriously, get up, you know, sit, sit up on the bench there. You know, will we get you a box to help you get up on the bench? So uh, he he does have that going for him. Um, he didn't really get into the game much in the first half, but he he kept going. I mean, he had one. He nearly got through with a really good dribble in the second half. He was this close to to being in. It didn't quite happen, but yeah, I thought it was a. I thought it was positive. I mean, obviously, this is a criticism. Well, you, you didn't play Hulahan, but you know, I assume that Hulahan is going to have to play some significant parts on Tuesday. This is where, well, not just Wes. In general, I do. I am getting more and more concerned about the way the legs have fallen. And I know this is something that O'Neill himself said. Well, mm. it might not be an advantage to go away first. And people said, "Oh, well, he's just saying that because he has to say it." But the more you think about it, if Ireland had produced, if we'd had the exact same match as we had on Friday. In, on Saturday in Lansdowne Road for the first leg and had drawn nil all and we're going away for the second leg I think I might be feeling more confident mm. that we're going away we have the, the shot at you're telling us basically a one-all draw a nil-all draw will get us into extra time a one-all draw will qualify us mm. I'm thinking that's a pretty good that's a pretty good outcome mm. whereas the nerves now at the thought that one Danish goal is probably going to kill us mm. and we potentially have 120 minutes of that well, is is a little concerning. Well, it's interesting, you know. I mean, you say one goal could kill us. That was certainly what Olga Harada, the manager of Denmark, was saying. You know, Ireland don't score two goals very often. Is what he said after the game. <laughs> it was it was quite funny actually. He got involved into in a back and forth with Paul Rowan. I think I mentioned it on Saturday, mm. but yeah. <laughs> R- Rowan basically said to him, what's, what's the story with that? That's not, that wasn't very entertaining. Aka Ryder was sitting there and he was like this kind of quite sort of bright personality. And he was, you know, he, he was, it wasn't like he was sitting there, you know, un- mute and unresponsive to questions. He was like, well, about giving good, good answers to things. He's saying, look, Ireland don't score two goals very often. And at some point, Paul Rowan just put him and he said, that wasn't a great average for international football, was it? <laughs> you know, who do you blame more, Ireland or Denmark? And immediately you could just see the, the hackles. <laughs> Well, I don't know what you expect from international football. <laughs> and they started kind of going back and forth. Oh, you can have your opinion. Oh, I have my opinion. Oh, you can have your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, uh, I do. I do. Oh, absolutely. Did you think your team played well? <laughs> Says Rowan with withering sort of skepticism. <laughs> uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing a football manager likes to counter after a game more than withering skepticism of <laughs> yeah. a journalist from another country. But he did, he did obviously think, he, he's kind of confident they score, they're probably going to be through. And Martin O'Neill has been quite, has after the game on Saturday and again today he's kind of saying yeah you know we he's kind of been saying we need to score two goals it's not he's not talking about one nil you know he's saying we need to score more than once um, well, that's well, a good outlook I'm kind of happy that he has that outlook because the last thing you want is that sort of you know if they do score the first goal that you know oh the balloon has just been popped mm. here and we're all oh god we're kind of like what happened to Wales that's the last thing you want you sort of if you have this idea the target is at least two goals here, you know, because it is horrible having to defend a, you know, even if you're one nil up, defending a half goal lead effectively is is a nightmare, <laughs> you know, because like mm. you're one goal away from losing. But okay, so we'll hear a bit from Martin O'Neill, I guess. This is um, him today, yeah. This is him talking first of all about uh, how uh, whether the approach to the game is going to be any different from Ireland on uh, tomorrow night. Uh, no, I don't. I th- I'm not. I'm not so sure. I think that we'll try and be a bit more expansive if we can. Try and uh, uh, deal with the ball a wee bit better, um, if that's the case. But we'll know. We're going to try and win a game. We have to. We have to find a way to win the match. And these players have been able to do that in the last couple of years. Yeah, he was sitting next to David Myler, who obviously didn't play on Saturday because he was 
Saturday. Yeah, he, he was suspended. Um, I keep saying Friday as well. It feels like it's further ago yeah. than it actually is. Not that. It's I think we just sped ago. through the recovery process, yeah. you yeah. know, from an Ireland game. It's like, okay, we've already sort of, it, like, it's in the dustbin of history now, the first leg. It's nearly like, okay, we're moving on to it. But it's all happening so fast. It's happening. It's just going by in a blur. But my, there was Myler again. Uh, you know, and is he, uh, and I think O'Neill was asked, can we take it from the fact that David Myler is sitting there next to you, Martin O'Neill, that he will return to the team, and moreover, that he may return to the role of captain? No. <laughs> you can't take that from that. I've told you before, I generally bring people here because I like them. You know? <laughs> and Myler is in that category. I've always liked Myler. Myler. <laughs> He sounds sounds like a, a, a teacher from the a nineteen a posh nineteen fifties English school. <laughs> Myler, I like Myler. <laughs> I like Myler. Well, here he is being asked. Uh, I think the questions, in, yeah, the question is in this one actually. So you can hear this. This is the the man from Sky uh, trying to get at to, to sort of peel back the outer layer and get at some of the hot stuff underneath. That's uh, some of this hot stuff that really makes Martin O'Neill tick. A lot of your players, next players, talk about your motivational skills, your man management. I know that. Some things are sacred, but can you just give us an insight into how you go about it? Do you plan what you say? Do you do it individually? At the big moments, just before kickoff when you speak to the players, how do you do it? Oh, good. Oh, gosh. (laughs) 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 I think think that'll leave that for today. Thanks, Senna. Last one, then. Thomas Delaney says he's done it. I think he meant it as a compliment that breaking Ireland down was like opening a tin of beans with your hands. Is, do you kind of like the team being described like that, that you're that tough, you're that hard to beat? Well, I think that, you know, we've, um, uh, we've got talent on our side. We haven't... Um, it would be lovely to have a, a you know, what you call a prolific goal scorer on the side that, that, that you can turn to. Uh, if you don't have that there, then you have to try and find other ways. And that's that's what we've been trying to do, I think. David would agree with that, that we have been trying to find ways for the last couple of years to win matches um, when we don't maybe possess that, you know. Uh, it's a shame that um, when I came in here that uh, Robbie, Robbie Keane was the same age as me, unfortunately. And um, so, um, no, we haven't, we haven't had that. And we just have to try and find other ways in which to do it. And yeah, I think that um, I think there's a, a, a terrific spirit in the in the, in the camp. I think it's a great never say die spirit. We have to take it one more time. So, uh, Martin O'Neill, not going to give away any of his man management secrets. No, I thought it was. Was that not a fair enough question? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know what you expected to say though. <laughs> He's never going to. I mean, this is a a man who doesn't say a whole lot in press conferences at the best of times. For for him to choose this moment to to say for for it to be you know his confession. We're hosting an intervention, Martin. Uh, <laughs> we're about twenty nine hours out from uh, an extremely important football match that you're managing in. Tell us about all of your secrets. <laughs> Although he does sound like he's in pretty good form there. Oh, he was. He was. Here, here's um, here's a bit of uh, Myler um, talking about penalties. David, if it came to it, would you put your hand up to take a penalty? Yes. Have you taken them before? Yes. Are you confident? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's missed. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> this is the most fun press conference we've had yet. I'm loving it. If we're going by relax, I don't know how Aggie is doing today. I'm sure he's chilled out as well. It doesn't, he seems like an unflappable character. Unless Paul Rowan's annoying him with more questions about how terrible his team is. <laughs> but certainly Martin O'Neill sounds like he's Last in a good frame of mind. for Martin O'Neill. Yeah. Oh, Martin, Martin O'Neill was like Dave Allen today. Is it <laughs> in there? George, Dave Allen, did you ever see him on? Yeah. The, uh, he's a, he was a bit before even my time, to be honest, but mm. I have watched a bit my, of him my on cousin, YouTube. My cousin's a big fan. I think there's a DVD knocking around my cousin's house of Dave Allen. Yeah. Yeah. A suave Irishman who, yeah. he held the British TV uh, watching public, which had then numbered, you know, 20 to 30 million <laughs> people every night in the palm of his hand. And Martin O'Neill was a bit was a bit like that today, just cracking, uh, cracking a lot of gags. Um, where are we? Uh, what was the other? Um, is there more? There's, there's more penalties. There's more penalties here because obviously there is a chance of a nil nil. Uh, if it is a nil nil, then, then it will be decided on penalties. Here's Martin O'Neill talking about it. Uh, yeah, we practiced penalties and Myler missed. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gotten the five then. He could still be because um, missing the penalties and the um, on practice is a totally different issue to taking them in the big game. But it's still nice to um, uh, some of the lads were practicing, yeah, and um, it's it's on the evening, isn't it? That's the most important thing on the evening. I've, uh, we've done it umpteen times before, both as a player and as a manager. And generally speaking, those lads who um, who uh, volunteer for to take them in. Uh, in practice, usually don't take them in the matches. You know, on that. Remember that great, uh, that great final. Um, Liverpool was at Liverpool and Roma. A couple of great Brazilian players, best players in the world, down tools and didn't take the penalties. You know, so at least we people, including Myler, who want to take them. And I, th- I think that's half the battle. I think even that is part of O'Neill's famed man management. David Myler sitting beside him. Uh, David Myler is going back to his roommate. I say his roommate Shane Long, going, Longy, I have no idea what just happened there. <laughs> There's a lot of laughing, a lot of joking. I don't think I'm getting in the team, but it's really, it's kind of hard to judge. You know, I yourself. volunteered at training, so that means <laughs> I'm, I can't take a penalty. I'm no good at penalties. I missed one. The whole world knows that I missed, uh, but I am but confident. I'm now that I've volunteered, <laughs> now that I haven't volunteered, yeah. I'm going to be taking one. He did I say think. that. They, the journalist couldn't read anything the fact that I'm sitting there beside him ordinarily I would think that surely he wouldn't bring me out here if I'm not going to play but then it is the gaffer mm. and we all know what he's like he, I, th- he, I, th- I think he probably will play to be he will play, he will play. I mean, yeah. he'll come back in the, the question is whether I mean I suppose the most vulnerable player out of the team that played the United is Odauda it is interesting though that we're saying that about Myler who wasn't in hasn't been a regular into, <laughs> hasn't been a regular at all really mm. and, and now it's well of course he's going to come back in it's great for, for him but he's, he's leapfrogged even if James McCarthy and these guys were available he's, he, well James McCarthy's the only one who's not really in central yeah. midfield I, you'd have him above him now wouldn't you you know it's it's. I think McCarthy, I think McCarthy's definitely a classier footballer oh yeah but, but, but I'm just talking about for the for that's the, not to say you necessarily purposes. pick him yeah. Yeah. it's not It's not as though he's he's given so many he's played so many good games for Ireland that you're like well if he's fit he's definitely in at this stage it's not really like that anymore yeah, fair play to Myler. but um uh, there were obviously Danish journalists there as well, and one of them, I think, the questions in this one as well, so you can hear what he's he, what he asks Martin O'Neill. Danish uh, police said that even though there was eight thousand Irish fans in Copenhagen, there was no incidents at all. Is that something that that makes you proud? Do you know what I? Yeah, I have to say this. Yeah, I am. I found that uh, I uh, we 
we had phenomenal numbers descend upon uh, France as well too. Um, I think they came out with uh, awards as well too. The fans have been absolutely fantastic and uh, and um, and that's a lot of people to go to and that's a lot of drinking as well too beforehand and therefore for people to behave themselves in that manner is um, uh, a great credit to them. The, the, traveling, the fans actually for the uh, Republic of Ireland side have been extraordinary. Did you see the video of of the women coming out of the lingerie shop and the Irish man cheering them. Um, actually, I made that video. <laughs> Brought the house down there. Absolutely, you heard the laughter. Yeah, yeah. Just the absolute, the, the journalist laughter. There's no laughter like it. When a lot Bart, of journalists Bart get together. Simpson watching Homer do stand-up. That's the only laughter that can <laughs> remotely compare to the thigh slapping that goes on from football journals. It was a very typical Martin O'Neill joke as well in that it didn't really mean anything. I made that video. Well, I mean, no. <laughs> he didn't. And I don't understand what the joke is, but... <laughs> uh, what did you... You saw the video, Ron? Yeah. What did you think? I thought it was an extension of what we saw at the Euros. Mm-hmm. Bit creepy, I, to be honest. Irish fans being creepy, you think? Bit creepy. Yeah. In the current climate, certainly. I thought <laughs> I, I they might have... Uh, Given had a second thought there about just what was going on. Let's let's all gather outside no, this long. No, 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 everyone, everyone, it's cool. We're from Ireland. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're Irish. No, no, it, no, no. Don't don't overreact. It, we're well, Irish what about football. The, fans. What about the argument that the ladies seem to be? Well, certainly the one that went viral seemed to be a willing participant in this. Well, you know, bit of I th- haven't haven't we sort of been been reading quite a lot about this sort of um, mechanism over the last uh, while? Smiling politely to get yourself through a hugely embarrassing social occasion. You know, sometimes you just got to you just got to grin and bear it, but that doesn't mean that you're too happy about what's going on. Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I didn't speak to any of the women uh, I didn't. I didn't even see too many of them in the video. That I, I, there are obviously loads of videos of the incident because most of the people who were there could be seen filming it themselves. So there are presumably many, many angles. It's a multi, uh, a multi-headed, multi-eyeballed beast. This crowd, you know, recording, lovingly recording everything it does, uh, everything it itself does. Uh, on this occasion, uh, women buying uh, Victoria's Secret gear were turned into the unwitting. Um, Unwittingly playing their part in the the uh, jokes. The, the ongoing, the, the ongoing charm offensive of the Irish football are, fan we, abroad. We, we are though. We are getting to the point where people are starting to get annoyed with it. I think, and I don't mean specifically that incident. I don't mean specifically, you know, uh, the, the that Victoria's Secret thing. I mean more the general phenomenon of look at these, look at these lads having a crack. Were we not getting it? Oh, annoyed with it by the end of the Euros. I, I think we were, but you know, there was Bertie Ronay's tweet about waking up in his hotel room <laughs> to find an Irish fan cl- uh, hanging his towels and running the shower. The ironing, yeah. this is some, when is it too much? Which I have to say, when I first read it, I, 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 I thought they didn't, did they? It, t- <laughs> it did. It took. I wasn't the only one. I'm pretty sure some of his replies were along those lines as well. That this is how ridiculous it was getting that maybe maybe they were going around and cleaning up after journalists. Who knows? Yeah, look, you know, it was. I mean. Sorry, it's hard to know. The, the thing about the Euros was that there was a bunch of quite funny stuff and the, before it sort of became so repetitive. And, and it's so... Well, I mean, the ho- the, there's no doubt about the horse. I mean, the, the horse kicking the ball through the window of the apartment. That's, that's 
comedy goal. I don't remember the horse. You don't remember the horse? The, oh, a, a human horse. Yes, yes, yes. He was an Irish man <laughs> wearing a horse. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I, remember, I mean, I remember the bullfighting. No, it was Shergar again. The, the bullfighting, the Ireland-Sweden bullfight. And the, yeah. uh, the Barney Ornatry, that's crazy. But uh, horse. Yeah. The, the, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, I'm the golden one. The, the guy in the apartment... I mean, this is the thing, the, a guy on his balcony being cheered and then being booed when he went inside and cheered when he came back. It was funny. But then I remember seeing exactly the same thing, people trying to recreate it because the whole crowd is self-aware. It's not like an old school crowd. You know, the, there have been books written about crowds. There's a famous one, you know, the oh, what's it called? The, the madness of crowds, you know, the, the dynamics of the mob, all this sort of stuff. But the thing about it is the crowds previously were not self-aware. They were only locally self-aware. The, the crowd had no sense of itself, and it just sort of acted based on stuff that spread through it, you know, by kind of diffused through Chinese whisper style. But this crowd is is now fully self-aware, can film itself, is a, can watch itself on YouTube, can amend its behavior to copy stuff it's already done. You know, it, it's kind of like an organism that learns and... Mm. So. Entire websites are now dedicated to our travails when when abroad. So we must uh, we must feed the beast. Feed, feed the beast because because you know and everyone wants to see it. Part of the joy of being in this now is, is you might get to participate in, in some of this, which does I think it it does make it a this, we're onto a sort of meta level now. It's not just a crack anymore. It's like crack for the sake of video crack. Um, we could talk about this all day, but we'll finish off, finish up with Martin O'Neill's couple of bits more. Oh yeah, we did have an illustrious visitor at the today's press conference, none other than Stanley Victor Collymore. Captain, good to see you first and foremost. Hello, today. Stan. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, Who are you working for, man? Yes, uh, Russian today. Oh, where is he? Alte, Russian. Sorry. Russian today. Yes. Oh, very good. Uh, are you speaking bit. Russian? That's the obvious. Very nice. Clap on, teach you a little bit. You taught me a lot, Stan. Some of the things are unrepeatable here. Taught me how to live. (laughs) Taught me how to live. That was Stanley Victor uh, talking to tomorrow. No, Neil. I don't think the boundary stopped. Actually, was I think there was more. Good luck, Stan. You know, he was a, actually a very good player for us until you broke your leg. Yeah. Really good. Remember, remember that hat trick against uh, Sunderland? Sunderland? Yeah. yeah. Remember it well. You and Heskey up front. I know. In the next lifetime. Yeah. I think I'll see that next lifetime before you. <laughs> Long before you. Nice to hear two old friends. I didn't even know Colin Moore had played for Martin O'Neill. Uh, yes, he did. Oh, and he played. He played for Leicester briefly. Um, he went there from Aston Villa um, after you know he he had a an unhappy ending to his career at Aston Villa. If you recall, John Gregory, the manager at the time, was said something like, "How can you be depressed on twenty grand a week?" Mm. Uh, those were the. It, it was a different time, you know. Uh, I'm not sure any manager in the you know Premier League these days would say something like that. In part because of the well-documented problems that um, Stan Collymore and others have had with depression, and he went to Leicester and did very well for Martin O'Neill for a bit, but then you know, he broke his leg, was out for a while. By the time he was recovered, Martin O'Neill had left for Celtic. So as 
Collymore was saying there, you should have brought me there, but for whatever reason, Martin O'Neill decides to bring others. Anything else before we get a bit more Danish reaction well, the, slash... The one other thing, and th- this was actually the first thing that was mentioned in a press conference today, is the news kind of emerged last night, very shocking news, uh, that Liam Miller, who played for Martin O'Neill at Celtic, and obviously a former Ireland player, uh, is seriously ill uh, with what's reported to be pancreatic cancer, which is a very serious form of cancer, um, which was which was really quite uh, shocking news. And the first thing that was, the first thing that Martin O'Neill was asked when he came in today um, was was about Liam Miller and his reaction to this news. Well, I give him his debut as well too as a kid at Celtic. He played wonderfully well in a Champions League game one evening. It's absolutely outstanding. And uh, yeah, the news we'd heard about it just recently. We didn't know how bad it was, and obviously, all thoughts go out to him and his family. I think he's got uh, three children as well, too. For a young man, 36 years of age, it's um, it puts things in perspective, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really awful. Yeah. So best of luck to Liam Miller. That's it for today's report on sport. He agrees with plenty, just it's always who's saying it, it's never what's actually said. 90% of anything is who's saying this, and 10% is what are they actually saying. So the 90% in Giles' case is, oh, it's that twat. John is the best football brain in the world. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. I'd never let you do. But if you're talking about the, the, the press, which you're talking about, have this you know, opinion of Guardiola, it doesn't necessarily mean that football people have. Yeah, I, I think I do like Ken Early's work. He writes fluently and thinks uh, cogently, but uh, I think he's wrong. The press come and go, as we know. You mentioned Ken Early. Well, yeah. you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with anything Ken Early says about football. He just thinks I'm an annoying twat. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, what can you, what can you do? You can't please everyone. Now, you said you got a bit of a Danish view at the press conference today? Yes, uh, I spoke to a Danish journalist called Keen Fanuti, who works for Discovery Networks, who are the rights holders for these matches over in Denmark. I think it was, it was a reaction of slight disappointment. Uh, obviously, the, the crowd was disappointed afterwards. They were jeering the, the team, but not in a way... I mean, it wasn't in a hostile way, maybe more disappointment. It was a big night. It was Saturday night. Everyone, you know, have had a good time leading up to the game. The expectations were high because we were in a good run. Uh, so I think it was more of, of, of the expectations being let down than, than, than people being uh, hopeless, you know, not having hope of if, if Denmark can progress. I, said, I, said, I think the hope is still there. I think that's what the reactions have been after the game in, in these uh, last couple of days. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a slight disappointment, but still hopeful that we can pull it off here in Ireland. Was there um, annoyance at the very, at the negative way that Ireland approached the game? Were people saying, oh, this is, this is ridiculous? Why, you know, why do, why, do they, why do they do this? Yeah, I, I think there was elements of that, that people thought that Ireland was only there to kill the game. Uh, the players, some of the players said that. I think uh, Oka Harreide, the Danish coach, also said that uh, 
that they played extremely simple, simple, extremely well. Um, but I think I, I spoke to Casper Schmeichel after the game, and he complimented the Irish, not necessarily for the way they played, but that they played to their strength. Casper mm. uh, likes a very pragmatic, uh, and and he just want to win. No. Uh, and I think uh, I think deep down everyone understands why the Irish did what they did, but obviously it was not great to look at no. if you know what I mean so yeah. Uh, I th- but yeah I think I, th- I think there was an element of that people think that they only came there to kill the game I saw that uh, Simon Kerr and um, uh, Bieland uh, the, the central defender both were quoted as saying Kerr said something like they played very primitive yeah. and they played it well I wonder does this word primitive have any other connotation other than simply primitive no, it, it is, it's that, but it has a negative connotation to it. it, it uh, you know, uh, so yeah, primitive, uh, not being able to do a lot with the ball, yeah, yeah. Uh, and not wanting to do a lot with the ball. I think it kind of goes maybe hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. Do you see any changes for for Denmark's approach uh, in this game? I mean, what what they did, I guess they were in control for for a lot of the game, so. Maybe just more of the same. Uh, I think maybe I think a lot of the criticism of the Danish play has been that they tried to play exactly the same way that they played against Poland. Mm. The qualifier we won four nil. Um, played long balls, uh, tried to be very direct, uh, and and th- that threat was nullified because the Irish were more. Uh, capable of handling the physical presence that we brought with Andreas Cornelius mm. on on the right side of the attack, uh, so I think maybe he'll go with a bit more pace. Mm. Maybe he'll take Cornelius and move him inside and and put a, a, a faster player like Yusuf Poulsen who plays for Leipzig. Who reminded me a bit of Fellaini actually. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe yeah, strong, but uh, I think he's a bit bit, bit more technically and and, and a lot faster. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he, he's great on his on on um, on his head, and uh, yeah. I I think maybe he'll go with a bit bit faster team this mm. time around. Yeah. So what's your what's your prediction? <sighs> oh my god, it's gonna be so crazy. I mean, I I, I think I think I think I think before before the games uh, started, I th- I thought it was going to be tight and perhaps one one. I'll go for for, for one one. I don't know who's going to score first, but I, I know it's going to be tight. Okay, King. Well, I hope you're wrong, but uh, best, <laughs> yeah, best best of luck tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Good luck for everyone, and here it goes. Denmark, Republic of Ireland. When we look down at the Irish squad, it's not that many names that ring a bell. We have the slight of a hand in these two games. But I'll tell you something, he went down in my estimation when he said that. We have the slight of a hand. I've never heard so much rubbish in my life. Why do we have to listen to that garbage? We have not resorted to that. It's always tough to play any British British, British team. Can I appeal to the British government to please leave our country? It's always tough to play any British team. A lot of things have been said over the last few days. Some of it slanderous. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if I share Keane's hopeful optimistic view that it's going to be crazy it might be incredibly intense <laughs> i don't know i don't know if crazy is going to be the well it might be because because the thing the thing about this game is that as soon as there is a goal in it then the game is out of out of balance forever there's no there there is no acceptable position for both sides from that point on you know you can't a draw means Denmark are winning once there's been a goal so 
there can't be any sitting back. Mm-hmm. One, there has to be, one team has to be taking the initiative. You cannot have the situation we had on Friday. Or Why do I keep doing that? <laughs> Saturday. Saturday, Ken. You cannot have the situation that we were having on Saturday where neither team was willing to risk much. Once there's a goal, if there's a goal, and there will be a goal, there always is. When, when was the last time we had a nil-all with the Ireland team at home? Do you remember? Um, We're, we have to nil all draw. We have to go back at home. A competitive or a real long way. Go on then. Twenty fourth of March, twenty seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Wales. Ah, yes. Uh, we were there. Over there. <laughs> we were there. It's, it's it's so awful, isn't it? What's going on here? I was looking at the games recently. I was I was kind of looking, trying to see. Okay, what's what's been going on with Ireland recently? You know, in my thinking about this game last week. Yeah. Started looking through the matches. And I was like, Ireland three, Uruguay one. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was here fourth of June. Yeah, I was I was at the game. <laughs> yeah, you know. After after a while, I mean, maybe it's just the the, the more experience Eat, you get, the yeah. the less each individual piece of experience. Mm. Mm. Eating bread is soon forgotten, Ken. Yeah. You know? everything is soon forgotten. Mm. Commiserations to Northern Ireland who've been knocked out as a result of that goal. Ultimately, as a result of that controversial goal mm. in the first leg, you wanted to come in there. Ken? Well, no, just just watching the Northern Ireland play yesterday compared to their performance at home on Thursday it does kind of harken back to what Ken was just saying. I mean. Everything had been boiled down for them then. You know, that even the yellow cards. I think Jerry Taggart made, made the point before the game that the fact that so many of the North's players were in yellow card trouble before the first leg did kind of defang a lot of their play. Whereas, like yesterday, they, there was none of those worries whatsoever. Uh, and they knew what they had to do. And it, it, bo- it basically effectively boiled down to the 90 minutes that they were going to play in Basel yesterday. And it actually really helped from what I could see, Northern, Northern Ireland's uh, mentality going into the game. And I think, you know, again, that's, it's, it's happened for us in the past as well. I mean, however unlikely it was that we were going to go over to Wales and beat Wales, we knew we had to do it, so we just went and did it. Mm. And I, 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 I'm not entirely sure that we are all that well set to play, you know, too many two-legged games. Mm. You know, I, I don't know that we have sort of a whole lot of... Uh, you know, the, like the sort of required nous to like plan our way through two-legged games, but one-off games that require a set result, I think we were we're probably not we're that's a pretty good position for us to be in. I don't know if you saw the James Lorenzo video. He tweeted this. Got a bit bored today, so I put together a supercut of Jerry Armstrong praising Northern Ireland during the last twenty minutes. Twenty minutes of their heroic nil-nil draw. We can play a little bit of this supercut. They are so frightened it's all true. They are really, really. The Swiss, he's really rattled. He's really, really rattled. That's a fear factor. They just want the whistle to blow. And they have hung on in the second half. But a very stunning performance in the second half from the Swiss. Yeah, four parts of that supercut, which... Entail actually about thirty or forty clips yeah. of Jerry Armstrong. That's the way it goes. Super it, confident Northern Ireland fan, Jerry Armstrong. Yeah. Even in the last twenty minutes, two to three really good Swiss chances to finally kill off. <laughs> but I mean, I, listen, that's neither here nor there. That's true. The uh, just on Mar- Michael O'Neill. I mean, Michael O'Neill obviously looked looked devastated. Um, it was sickening for Northern Ireland the way that, that it went, and the the decision that cost them the goal and the ties is a disgrace. So pretty angry, but. Things are looking up for Martin O'Neill, uh, Michael O'Neill, Owen, I should say. I so. Based on the, he seems to be hot property in the international jobs market. Well, he should be. Well, you've got Ian Dark, who is the he does commentary for ESPN, who mm-hmm. has some has some decent U.S. soccer sources. 
saying um, that the United States are going to try and hire him. But that's if Scotland don't get there first. That's according to, well, less good uh, sources, Bucky's odds. Uh, he is the favourite to be the next permanent uh, Scotland manager, ahead of Alec McLeish, uh, who's at 5-1, to one, Paul Lambert, and 12-1, to one, bewilderingly, uh, I have to say, Malky Mackay. Uh, How would Northern Ireland fans feel about him defecting to Scotland? Um, well, you know, Scotland's haven't been in a tournament for a lot longer than Northern Ireland. I mean, where, where are Northern Ireland just going to hog all the glory or what? <laughs> you know, he was they were 88th in the world when he took over, now they're 20th. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they got to the, the knockout rounds of the Euros and nearly qualified for the World Cup. I mean, that's pretty amazing. You know, considering that the, it, Northern Ireland had been beaten down to, like, fifth seed level. You know what I mean? They, it was, no one expected they'd qualify for tournament ever again. Never mind, like, get out of the group and everything, you know, in the, in the European Championships and, and finish second in their group for this. I mean, they're very unlucky not to qualify, really. They had a much better record in qualifying than we did, although I'm sure Michael Martin O'Neill rather would say their group wasn't quite as tough as ours. But it looks as though he, he's going to have a few different uh, few different options anyway, and maybe he'll end up staying where he is. World service tomorrow. Build-up, more build-up to Ireland against Denmark. Second leg Wednesday, our post-match podcast. And all going well, there'll be more post-match podcasts on Thursday, Friday, and well, quite a few for quite a few weeks and months to come, I would have thought. Thanks very much, Kieran, for the time being. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you, Owen, Thank you, Owen. Thanks Thank so you much Kieran. for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 